Hello, and welcome to the X Oilfield Resource Podcast with Reed Styles. After working for five years as a reservoir engineer for a large exploration and production company, I transitioned my career first to a financial technology startup and then on to an energy investment company. I'm fascinated by people that took their experience in the oil and gas industry and successfully applied their specialties to other careers and industries. I'm interviewing ex-oil field professionals with the intention of sharing their stories to inspire others to explore new careers. Today I'm speaking with Anna Peternell. She was a petrophysicist and LWD petrophysics domain champion with Schlumberger and has been working for the past four years in real estate as an agent and investor. Thank you for joining me today, Anna. Thank you very much, Reed, for the invitation. It's a pleasure. Anna and I met on LinkedIn. I've just been so fascinated by real estate in general, so I'm excited to bring on not only an investor, but someone that's very familiar with buying and selling properties. So, Anna, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? As you can notice by my accent, I am 100% tequila, meaning that I was raised and born in Mexico. And when I was 24 years old, I actually left Mexico to work with the Chambray. And then I traveled around the world and I called Houston my home. Wow, that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your education and your credentials that got you into Schlumberger and got you into the oil field? Yes, I studied control engineering in university uh, in Nuevo León. And then I actually got 100% scholarship to study control engineering master. And it was then when there was a job fair and my friends said to go to the fair and explore the opportunity to work with Sean Boucher. And this is how I started my career. So I'm a control engineer by degree. So when you were a control engineer and going through your bachelor's and master's, what were your kind of career aspirations over time? Kind of if you could have, you know, projected out five or 10 years, where did you want to be? Where did you want to work? Well, let me tell you a story. And it's actually a dream. I still remember that when I was in, in junior high school, I always wanted to travel around the world. And I want to work with a company that allowed me to do that. And since I was in junior high school, I wanted to do automation. I wanted to do robots. I wanted to work with tools. That was my dream. So when I was hired by Jean Bourget, I actually was not expected to start a career with them because I was working and studying in the most prestige university in Mexico, that is the Tecno uh, Tecnológico Monterrey. But then I just couldn't resist the amazing opportunity that was given to me. And I just went with the flow. So I really didn't think about it. But Jean Boucher during 17 years actually matched my dreams. And I did what I love at the time. That's amazing to hear that not only got to do some international travel, you came to yes. the United States and had a very long career with Schlumberger. That's really cool. Yes, I actually, you know, cannot say, but just great things about the company, about the people. And it gave me the opportunity to open my mind and to learn, to learn from others. And some of the things that I really enjoy about my career with the Schlumberger is it was exactly that, the opportunity to explore the world and to break the barriers uh, that sometimes we have in our mind. So it was amazing. 
No, it's awesome. And, you know, I know that we're going to get to the real estate and kind of what happened next, but can you take us there back to kind of the 2016 time when you're working at Schlumberger? Kind of like, what were you doing on the side right before the 2016 layoffs? Were there any activities or hobbies or in- investments that you had going? You actually asked me about my hobbies. And actually, you know, I think that engineers, we like to test our limits. And I, I have enjoyed uh, during the last seven years to do triathlons and marathons or, and all that uh, endurance in sports. Just to answer the question that you asked me. When I arrived to United States in 2006, and I actually bought my first house, and then one year later, I bought my second one, I was not satisfied with the level of service that I received. So that made me curious about learning more about the real estate and the transactions. And I realized that hmm, I, this is interesting because at the end of the day, even when you are buying your own house, it's a game. It's a market game. It's a negotiation game. And it's a, it, it, it's a smart game. So I actually got very interested uh, because of those two reasons. And then uh, when I sold my house or my properties that I had in Mexico, what I did instead of buying Louis Vuitton bags, I actually transferred the money from Mexico to an account here to pay for my very first investment house in the United States. And then with the time I got hooked to the process of, oh, I buy this house for this money, I'm actually getting this cash flow, and I can sell it for this, and I can make this equity, and you know, I kind of like this. At the time, I had an investment partner, and we actually went into the, it's called buy and hold, that means you buy properties and you hold them for a certain time to get cash flow, and I was doing that as my other part of the hobby. Nobody knew about that because when I was working in a Chambergey, I was working in a Chambergey. <laughs> so I didn't talk about uh, so many things, but I started to develop that passion. And actually, my business partner, who was a realtor, always told me, Anna, you should get into real estate. You should get into real estate. You should get your license. And I always say, you know what? I have three kids. I'm dealing with 20 rigs right now. I don't have time for that. So I just decided to partner with her and, uh, and go from there. So one year before uh, everything started in 2014, 2015, that the layoffs started, I had already developed my plan A, which was to go full into real estate if something happened. So I already had planned my next year uh, if the if I had to, uh, outside of oil and gas. So for me, it was an easy transition. I didn't have to think about it. Uh, I, I didn't stress because I, re- I already had a plan and I just went for it. And I can tell you that it, it is a different world. Yeah, the, the barriers to entry are a little lower on uh, buying and selling real estate versus drilling uh, big oil and gas capital intensive oil wells, right? Yes, but actually, during my career with the Chambergey, as I said, I just cannot but be blessed for the opportunity to explore the world and be in charge of one of the most important young markets in the world. 
And you know, I'm number one, I'm a female Mexican, right? That was in charge of the offshore United States. And you know, I was passionate about it. Uh, and tools and measurements were my thing. I lived by them. And what I really enjoyed about my previous job in the Schomburger was the fact that I didn't do it by myself. I always work as a team player with research, with technicians, with engineering, with the uh, field people, with the clients, with data services. I mean, it was not just my effort, but actually it was a huge team effort. And at the end of the day, it was the tool deployment, the acceptance and the client satisfaction that I was always aiming for. And guess what? Real estate is the same. Voila! Real estate is exactly the same. And this is the thing. There are a lot of cliches when you talk about realtors, because this is the fact. We are just in Houston, 35,000 real estate agents in the Houston metro area, 35,000. Meaning that when you think about the realtor, maybe as I was thinking before I actually got into it, I, I didn't think great about that. That's the truth. And then I realized that that is as hard as drilling a well because you have, uh, you have in your hands one of the most important investments that most likely a person is gonna get. And you have the responsibility of liability of their transaction. And, and it just, you know, my pleasure to help them to achieve them in a smooth way. So. I think you're totally right. That's a great point actually, how the teamwork of buying and selling a house, the teamwork of, the teamwork of building an investor group and buying a commercial real estate, you know, the teamwork that is involved just in constructing anything. Yes. I think that's a great point. It really changed my thinking on it just there. I mean, I think you're, that's a great point that you have a whole bunch of specialists in either industry that are just trying to add value or have an investment that pays off ultimately. Exactly. It is a, and, and this is, I do believe that is the part that I enjoy the most besides of negotiating a deal. That was a great introduction into kind of some stuff you were doing on the side. You were looking at your plan A, plan B. Um, obviously in 2015, I was there with you. It was getting a little, oh, you felt like you were standing on shaky ground a little bit. And uh, so can you take us through when the layoffs happened? What happened immediately in executing your master real estate plan? Yes, well, let me tell you something that was truth. And I I'm, I'm need to tell you because I want to be as honest as I can. I, want no, I was not expecting it to be so fast, but because I already had a plan, uh, I remember that I went to my house and I finished some courses that I was doing and then uh, I needed some time for myself. I needed to disconnect. I needed to disconnect and have time for myself because before I was uh, laid off, I was working uh, quite a lot of hours and I had three kids and and I realized that I didn't have friends. Ah, wow. Okay. I realized that I didn't have friends because I invested all my time doing my job and with my family and my hobbies. And I could count the people that I could trust with one hand. Oh, wow. Well, what can I say? It's just the way that happened. So 
when I had the opportunity to stop and think, I actually realized that I had to change my lifestyle and I had to change my network. So I took that time to get to know people and people that I can tell you right now have been my biggest supporters and friends and my uh, partners. So after I did that, well, just imagine that I worked 17 years, 24 per seven, I couldn't be still. So I really couldn't wait for the six months that I told myself that I was gonna do nothing. So I came back and I mean, I went back to school and study for the license. And by the fifth month, I already had my license and I was ready to go. Wow, that's an unbelievable story. And thanks for sharing with me. I, I think you listed ultra marathons, three kids, a side hustle in real estate and a full time job. I mean, I can't imagine what your organizational strategy is. So my first thought was, how do you organize all this? And how do you prioritize when little fires pop up all around you? Number one, it has been very clear in my life that my family is my priority. So I have always uh, been a workaholic, which helps. <laughs> so I love to work and I can work, I can work like a bulldog or a workhorse. Uh, and I, I, it's my passion. This is the thing. When you enjoy what you like, you don't feel it feel it like an obligation or responsibility. You actually wake up every day and you look um, forward to what the day brings you and what you can bring into the day. So, so for me, you know, I always, if I had to finish something, my kids were my priority and then I used to work at night, you know, after when they were to be in, in the bed and so on. So my family has always been my priority. And then of course, uh, I had some help when I was training for the triathlons and the BPMS 150 and all of those things. And, uh, but it worked out. You just do it. You don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting motivated to look down my list and add at least one or two more obvious after hearing this. This is unbelievable. Let's talk about your real estate career so far. Can you walk us through maybe your first big deal that you did as a real estate agent? And kind of what did you learn from that experience that others might be interested in? So I, I cannot tell you my very first deal period, okay? Not in my career, but in my life and why, what I learned from it. I, it. It was actually, you know, residential investment. And when you're an investor, you are always looking for a deal. It does not matter if it's residential or commercial. And you might find a very good deal. And what you have to do is that you have to question why is a good deal? Because what I have, what I have found out is that real estate, regardless if you are an investor or not, can be very emotional. So sometimes it's driven by emotions. And when you are doing real estate investments, you certainly cannot be emotional. So if you find a deal, you really need to do your due diligence and start questioning why is this? Is this because there are problems with the, with the location? Is this because it's in the flood area? 
Is this because um, actually they are lying on the vacancy rate or they are lying in or, or the numbers? I'm not going to say lying, but the numbers are not what they appear to be. And you need to stop and don't be impulsive. And uh, you really need to look uh, deeper into that. And that was my very first uh, experience that uh, when I did uh, my first investment because I was not guided correctly and I did a lot of mistakes. What, what's uh, one mistake that you could easily prevent or help someone else from doing? Well, you know, as I told you, my very first deal was when I sold my uh, properties in Mexico, transferred the money and I started investing. And because I had the money, I thought that buying in cash was the best deal possible. But if you actually look into what is cash flow, you actually going to see that it's a relationship between what you are going to net versus what you invest. Saying that the more that you invest in a property, meaning that the less your cash flow is going to be. So buying a property cash is not, you know, is going to reduce your cash flow or your return on investment. And I didn't know that. So being Mexican is part of our culture that we feel very proud of paying cash everything. So when you come to United States, actually that mentality needs to change. Why? Because two things. Number one, you are ruled by your credit score. And your credit score is a measure of your debt affordability, if I can say it like that, meaning that what risk you represent as a consumer, right? So here in United States, you need to have debt and you need to show that you can be a good and reliable consumer. Uh, saying that, that is for the people that does not live in the United States and, you know, are from other cultures, I'm going to tell you, do not listen to your mother. Don't buy things cash. Actually, handsome debit, debt, and but you need to apply it smart. So that is number one. And number two, uh, I didn't know that. The, my partner was not very wise, and, and actually I, I started buying things uh, cash without knowing that there are way too much options that you actually can leverage the money of others. So actually the cash flow or return of investment is gonna then make sense. And you are not just gonna leverage the money of others, but as well, you're gonna leverage the equity that you're gonna grow in the properties. So that is, that is what I could say that was what I learned from my mistake and I am not gonna do it anymore. And, I, and when my clients want to pay things cash, I tell them, okay, pay them cash because maybe you can negotiate harder and you can close uh, faster. But after that, you might want to do a cash out and actually get the 80% of the value of the house and get, get more uh, properties. Wow, so many good things to take away. From. I did not know that you know paying in cash was such a strong cultural bond that you were kind of brought up with. That's amazing. I, I didn't even realize that. And yeah, I think everyone in the U.S. kind of takes for granted the fact that you know we're used to putting a certain amount down and getting a mortgage. That's very common for most people, I would say. Yes, but uh, I do work with a lot of international investors and the international investors always want to put the most down payment and the most you know, money into the house. 
And actually, I tell them, you know, well, these are your options, right? You can do this and you can do that. So what do you choose? And But you have to remember that every person is different. And the great thing is that there are options according to what you, your goals are. So it, 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 that is for a seller, for a buyer, for an investor, real estate, residential or commercial. It does not matter. Nobody is the same. So... Man, so many great pieces of information. I know that um, you're resonating with me, someone that's bought one house and sold one house and kind of been down that road and learned a little bit from the experience. But do you? let's talk more about from an investment standpoint. Say you're in the oil and gas industry and you're looking to invest in real estate. I know you mentioned due diligence, which is, of course, very, very important. But what were some of your first actual investment learnings as just an investor? And how did you kind of like, basically you're saying, you know, you used a lot of leverage, you used other people's money as investors. Do you have any general tips for someone who's a beginning investor in real estate? Those would be my first ones because, uh, you know, when somebody called me and they want to buy a property or, you know, as investor or homeowner, I always tell them, hold on, let's sit down and let's review what your objectives are. Because... For beginning investors, there might be people that are very aggressive and they might be uh, looking to buy an $80,000 house, for example, uh, because that is what beginner, beginner investors do, right? They start with the residential. So uh, they might get an $80,000, $90,000 house where the lease is going to be $1,000. So that means that they're going to get more than 1% of uh cash flow every month, but usually those properties are not in a nice neighborhood. And usually you're going to end up dealing with tenants that might be good or might be facing eviction at some point. So, and there are other properties that do actually uh, spend $200,000 and you actually get around 7 to 8% of cash flow, but you're going to be in an environment that is more stable with a different kind of tenants, uh, tenants that actually pay the rent, uh, you know, in time. And even when you have a property management company, the risk of eviction is always present, I must say, but the risk of eviction is lower but you are going to get less return on that investment. And so it depends on what kind of investor you are. And as I said, it's very difficult to give just a one rule because there are people that are super aggressive and there are other people that say, you know what, I just want to invest this amount of money and I'm happy, even if I'm equal and I'm just going to leave the property there. And in Houston, the appreciation is around 3 to 4% annually and i'm just gonna go with the flow so you know it, it depends this needs a big discussion with every person about what they want to achieve yeah that's a really good point you know i think it could be simple to have a couple of rent houses on the side that you own and lease out it could be buying into a limited partnership or you're buying a multi-family apartment complex or something i mean they're just all different commercial real estate kind of where would you recommend someone kind of start out or get dip their toe in the water if they wanted to? I really like commercial real estate. I really like to work with warehouses because there is a need. And what I have found is that there is a need for the small warehouses 
you know, like uh, less than $2,000 a piece. There are a lot of business owners that want to start their, you know, entrepreneur, the entrepreneurs that they want to start their journey and they cannot afford more. And there is a lack of, of those warehouses. Uh, they, are, they are starting to pop up, but most of the warehouses, buildings and complexes are like big ones, like more than 3,000 square feet, more than 4,000 square feet. And of course, the lease amount is, is huge. They cannot afford that. So if I would do an investment, I would look into, you know, how do you say that, you know, building more with less. So you actually have a very steady income uh, from those uh, buildings. What's a good example of like what someone would use 2000 square feet of warehouse space for? I deal with a lot of people like warehouses can be used for everything. I mean, I had people that have used uh, Freight International. They have used it, use it as a shipping store. Others have used it for their business. Uh, usually like a construction business. They use like small offices. It depends if it needs a customer front or not. But sometimes they use just a small or two offices when a bathroom and a front space with most of it being a warehouse, warehouse for storage. Warehouses can be used for everything because usually there are no restrictions on the materials that you use and it has three-phase voltages. And it, I, I found it to be more affordable, number one, and I found it to be more flexible for whatever use they want to. So that is why I like warehouses, I do believe. <laughs> As a real estate agent, if someone was looking to get into that line of work, how would you explain to someone what it's like to start out as a brand new real estate agent day one coming from an oil and gas background? Like, How could you kind of prepare someone for that? That is a very good question. And let me start with the statistics. So there is 80% attrition in the first year in, you know, in, the, in a real estate career. And the fact is that, as I told you before, there are 35,000 agents. This real estate as an agent is a relationship business. It's a business that there is a lot of competition. So sometimes your technical skills does not matter. Your relationships do. It's a totally different game from oil and gas. I have never in 17 years was aware that I had an accent. And why is that? Because you are in a room and you are surrounded by different cultures, by different countries, by different accents. So you are just somebody else in the room that is different and it does not matter. When I came to real estate, that was a different game because then I, I'm just a person, you see? so. It's totally different. Uh, you play with emotions. Real estate, uh, if you want to be an agent, is, is not flexible, number one. If you think, you know, people believe that real estate is, is a flexible business. Let me tell you, it is not. If you want to have a six-figure income, you really need to have a lot of discipline. And you need to get out of your comfort zone every single day. And that sometimes me as a technical advisor, even when I had, I talked with a lot of people and I, I always was very focus, focused to customers. It was a different story to call somebody that I never met and 
start engaging conversations with them in a, how can I say, in an educated way. And so I would say a little bit of, about forget about what oil and gas business is. And if you want to get into real estate, be, uh, be ready to start working from, from the ground. Be ready to call people that you have never met. Be ready to go and door and knock on doors. Be ready to do things that you never expected. Be ready to be humble. Be ready to work because it has no relationship between what you were doing in an office with AC in oil and gas or, you know, or if you are from a different culture like I am, like being not, not being not noticeable when you're in a room, now you are. It's totally a different game change. However, I can tell you that I've been blessed about the opportunity to start over. And what I told you before, four years ago, I could count my friends and the people that I can talk to, you know, with one hand. Now I have hundreds. I'm, I'm here for them and they are there for me. And it's quite satisfying to help people to achieve their dreams, whatever they are, residential or commercial investment or home ownership. Uh, and you feel the uh, gratification, but as well, you feel the gratitude. And regardless of how awesome my oil and gas career was, I never received a thank you. And now I receive a thank you every day. And besides, real estate have no ceiling. You can actually declare your own ceiling in terms of income. It depends on your activities. So what is not to like? Wow, a lot of things to break down there. I know that before we started talking, I, I said uh, something about the weekends coming up. Are you excited? And, and you reminded me that uh, that's the busiest time for a real estate agent. So I think that I think that reinforces what you just said perfectly, that you're gonna have an inflexible schedule your weekends are probably Mondays or if you get a day off, I, I don't know. You know, something as well that I learned during this career is to have a time block. So what I do is that on Sunday, I time block my what are my objectives for the week and what are the activities that I need to achieve in order to get them. And from there, I start with first is my first priority is family. And then I time block the activities and the appointment times. But the beauty of it is that I work in an amazing brokerage that is Keller Williams. And when I got into real estate, I actually interviewed like five brokers. And what I like about Keller Williams was the fact that it was very structured, like a Schomburger was in oil and gas. So for me, it was a perfect fit. But besides of that, being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you need to sacrifice your life. And actually, you asked me as well, what did you learn or what would you have told yourself when you were in oil and gas, uh, you know, that you learned? So something that I would tell me that I would say is that your job is your way to design your life, but it's not your life. So meaning that we don't have to sacrifice, to sacrifice our family, we don't have to sacrifice our hobbies, 
You don't have to sacrifice yourself. You can get or have your job to design the life that you want. And that is very, very powerful, I do believe. Absolutely, for sure. So many good things to take away from our conversation so far. And I think one thing I want to jump back into is you were talking about, you know, building your network and extending your friend group and and really focusing on more of the social networking kind of stuff. What are your tips on getting started on building a brand or building your network? Say you're coming out of oil and gas and where networking isn't as big of a deal if you're a technical person. So kind of what are your, how would you get going? What, how, how did you start or what did you think was the most valuable resource? Social media. <laughs> <laughs> so like LinkedIn, uh, uh, TikTok, what are we talking about? No, I don't do TikTok. <laughs> I should do TikTok, but I'm not there yet. My kids are. You need to be surrounded by people that, that lift you. That is the main thing. You need to be surrounded by people that lift you and they are bigger than you are because they are going to break your ceilings and your mind, your mindset. So saying that, look for network groups that that are going to fill up what you are looking for. And that is very, you know, big to say. In my case, I look at, at um, entrepreneurs uh, groups. And uh, I, I use a lot of social media. If you follow me in LinkedIn and in Facebook, I'm old, so I look Facebook. I use Facebook more than Instagram, but uh, I'm very active in Facebook and, and always call people, you know, call people. If you are Leo, call people and ask them for coffee. One coffee a day. If you are looking for opportunities, the best thing that you can do is connect the pe- to with people that already know you. Why you want to look for opportunities with people that do not know you? So call the people that know you, that have, have trusted you in your previous job, and call them and say, hey, do you have time for coffee? Well, we are in quarantine. We cannot have coffee. But <laughs> you, can have, you can have Zoom calls or you can have phone calls and just, you know, just ask the question because if you ask the questions to fulfill your objective, you're going to get the answers. But if you don't ask for them, you're not going to get any answers. So yeah, ask for questions uh, for appointments every day. Connect with people, use whoever knows you already because they already trust you. Start with them and then go to the outer circle and look for networking groups that are what you want to achieve. Yeah, I'd also just echo the Facebook groups. I've in the past two years, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I've become kind of obsessed with Facebook groups. I mean, they're it's amazing how many people all around the world have weird niche interests or follow certain podcasts or I mean, everyone's got a little group and it's so cool that you can talk about investing or talk about real estate or check on your neighborhood. One that's one thing I did when I was looking at buying a house is I actually joined the Facebook group for the neighborhood of where I was gonna buy. And so I started to kind of feel for the crime or the kind of how the people interacted with each other and what problems they were seeing. And, you know, were they complaining about the cell phone reception and all that stuff? Yes, it's amazing how much information we, we give away in the social media, in social media and the social media groups. So, so yes, I love social media. That's my thing. I uh, love to connect with people. I love to meet new people. 
uh, and I love to be around people that, as I said before, are gonna leave me. You know that it's gonna break my my limiting beliefs because being an entrepreneur is not so simple. There are some people that are natural, and we are people that are persistent because persistency can uh, replace skills. So what's a big misconception of real estate agents or real estate investors that you think people that maybe are in the oil and gas space and aren't big into the real estate game shouldn't understand or learn? What should they know? What I said before, real estate, it's a number game. So you need to be dedicated to what you want to achieve. And believe it or not, for me, which I was pretty successful you know, in my previous career, uh, and I could talk to see, you know, to CEOs, and I could tell a big project manager that their well was dry, their $20 million well was dry, you know, that they didn't have oil. And I remember this time that they kicked me out of the office. You know, they said, get out and, uh, you know, we don't want to hear that. So I just stand up and I said, okay, but this is what you have. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then, and then they said, uh, they said, no, okay, come back, come back. And then two months later, they found out that the well was dry. So even when I had that kind of a power and confidence in my previous job, being in real estate for me has been a challenge. Because being a natural engineer, you know, I that like to be in a black hole solving problems. That is what uh, engineers tend to, to be. Being social, like what is the, the image of an agent is not my thing. So, um, so I would say the very first thing, and the, coming back to your question, because I deviated, uh, my advice to any person that wants to be in real estate is hire a coach. Hire a coach. How do we find the coach? Well, uh, that it depends on what you, you are going to get into. So if you are going to be an agent, your brokerage can have a productivity coach in place, or there are many coaches that are available in, in the community. But I would say that accountability is a big thing. If you are want to uh, go into investing, don't do it by yourself. If you want to really, you know, do investing at a highest level, uh, find a group of people that have done it and can mentor you. And this is how I started with commercial real estate, right? Because I went to be a petrophysicist, but I always knew that I wanted to do commercial real estate. So what I did is I just was shadowing a person that had been doing commercial real estate for a long time until I felt comfortable enough to do it by myself. So that would be what I would say. Find a coach that is going to help you with the business type. And if you need it, and you are like me, a person that actually reminds you to go and do what you have to do to achieve your goals. And track your numbers. Track your numbers. So track your numbers. I guess this is probably a huge strength that you have coming from a technical background that maybe some other agents don't naturally have. Tracking your numbers, actually, it's very trendy right now and not just in real estate. And let me tell you why. 
because when you are in a wealthy position where you don't have to worry about money, you don't track your numbers. Some people do, some people don't. Right now, actually, for the people that are living the oil and gas that are experiencing a transition right now, I would tell them, track your numbers too. Meaning that look into your expenses, look at what you are spending every, every month and every week from mortgage, uh, taxes, insurance, uh, you know, how much you're spending your kids, utilities, uh, the, the, the cars, the gas, the gym, the coach, blah, 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 blah. I do have an Excel spreadsheet that I review weekly where I track my personal numbers and then I do track my business numbers. So for people that are going through a transition or changing life, track your numbers too. Track your personal numbers. Track how much is your expense, uh, your, your expenses, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to spend your 401k, you don't want to spend your savings while you actually look for another job. You don't want to do that. So track your numbers. And I do that. I do track my personal and my business numbers. Yeah, and I'm sure at the, the end of a long week, it's Sunday night, the last thing you want to do is update those numbers. So it definitely pays to be so diligent about it and have that self-control and everything. I mean, that's, that's great advice. I have been saying the word gain quite a lot, but the fact is it's a balance between gain and pleasure. I mean, what is the pain that you have seeing your bank account going down versus the pleasure to keep that bank steady. You see, for the people that have been laid off, if you track your numbers and you realize that maybe you are spending more than what you should and you see your account is going down, you're gonna feel the pain and it's gonna call to, uh, to an action. So that is something that I didn't do immediately uh, when, I, when I leave uh, oil and gas, that I should. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're kind of getting to the end. Is there an ask that you would have for the audience? Is there a place where they can reach out to you? And where specifically is your expertise in the Houston real estate market? Yes. Uh, So I, uh, you can find me, as I said, in, I'm very active in Facebook, Peternel Property Group. My phone number is 832-913-9624. My email is ana.com. Peternell, P-E-T-E-R-N-E-L-L at KW.com. I have an, a website, but it's too long. But if you call me and text me, uh, I will be happy to reach out. And I pretty much, I do live in Katy, Texas, because it's the number one school district in the area. And I have three beautiful kids, but I actually do business everywhere, from the north to the south and from the east to the west. Even I have made some uh, deals uh, close to College Station. So I'm here for you. One of my new projects is actually starting to work with some developers in which we are looking to buy land and develop uh, commercial shopping, uh, shopping centers. And, or it can be a multifamily. We are still uh, looking into the options. So if there is anybody interested in having a fixed return with a low risk, well, that would be a great opportunity. 
and as well as I'm looking into buying some lots uh, to develop uh, first-time home buyers, which are always a great need. And there is a lot of people that that uh, require this type of housing. So we are looking into that and that I'm very excited. Well, great. Obviously, I'll have all the information you can connect with Anna directly in the show notes of the podcast. Thank you for joining us on the X Oil Field Resource Podcast. I just want to thank Anna for joining me. I so greatly appreciate your time. Hey, audience, what would you think of the episode? If you liked it, consider rating it five stars and writing a review in iTunes. It's a free way to give back to the show, and it helps others find the podcast. If you know someone that would be great for the show, email me at reed, R-E-E-D, at xoilfield.com. I'd love to have them on and at least have the conversation and share it with others. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining me, Anna. Thank you. It was, it was great. Uh, thank you for having me.